Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary, Port St. Lucie. Let's join student and creative arts pastor, Will Price, with the message, ID. You know, before the age of computers and the internet, your identity, okay, your, your name, address, telephone number, social security, uh, it, it, was, it was either memorized and stored in your brain, or maybe you recorded it on a document and put it in something like a filing cabinet. And, and so the only way for someone to access your information was one, for you to tell them your information, or two, for them to gain access to a document that had your information on it. Now, while identity theft certainly did happen back in the day, it happened far less than it does uh, today because it was just more difficult to do back then than, 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 it, than it is now. But now, because of things like computers and the internet, uh, we live in an age where much of our identity is stored digitally and, and on the internet. And so it, it's this age that we live in where uh, we have safe passwords and encrypted information and, and just, there's always warnings about how we should protect our identity, right? And I think one of the greatest fears of our day is that the wrong person would get access to our name, our social security, our passwords, and take that information and steal our identity. And I'll probably never forget the moment, just a few months back, when my wife and I opened our bank app, only to discover that someone had drained our checking and our life savings. True story. Someone, somehow, got access to my wife's personal information, called our bank, and was allowed to set up a fraudulent account in her name and in someone else's name. And then they were allowed to take all of our money and transfer it out of our account into that fraudulent account. And so we don't know how, but someone got uh, my wife's uh, full name, social security number, telephone number, address, and, and whatever information they needed uh, to be able to set up this, this fraudulent account and literally trick our bank over the phone. And let me just tell you, it was an absolute nightmare to go through. We, we learned real quick that this whole thing called fraud protection is, is, is good unless someone steals your identity. Then the fraud protection is no good. I mean, I remember being on the phone with the bank and the guy saying, sir, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your wife set up the account in Las Vegas. And I'm going, what? Like, what is going on here? Is my wife, like, running out on me with someone in Vegas? Like, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, what's going on? Um, but no, she was sitting there right beside me during this conversation, and, and, and we were just dumbfounded how this happened. It was a nightmare. It's over now. Um, you know, we're taking steps to protect her identity and whatnot. But let's be honest. This is a huge fear of ours, isn't it? We care deeply about this, don't we? 
<laughs> and so we'll go to extreme measures to protect our identity. We'll set up uh, super complex passwords, right? So complex, by the way, that if we don't write it down, we'll forget our password. And, and we'll, we'll buy into antivirus software with uh, these elaborate firewalls to protect our identity. And, and, and we'll invest in uh, services like uh, LifeLock. Um, why? why do we do this? Because we care deeply about our financial and our social identity. And, and, and this past week I was thinking, yet as careful as we are to pay attention to our, our social material and financial security and identity, we are often far less concerned about paying attention to our spiritual identity. And, and, and I would just say today that the result for some of you in this season of your life is that you are living in the tension of knowing your identity in Christ, but feeling like it's been stolen. Some of you are here today and you're living in the tension of knowing who God says you are, but failing to see those truths materialize in your day-to-day -day lives. Now, the big idea today that I want to communicate to you concerning your identity is that when we give our lives to Christ, we lose our old identity and we get a brand new identity. And I got to admit to you, this, is, this, this big idea is a very basic truth, okay? This is Christianity 101. But one of the things I've learned over the years as a pastor is that a lot of times it's the basic truths about our faith that are the most neglected. And I'm just not so sure that everyone here is paying attention to their spiritual identity like they should be. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about four things concerning your spiritual identity, okay? Number one, I want to talk about how we get our pre-Jesus identity and how that shapes our lives. Number two, I want to talk about how we get our new identity in Christ and how that changes almost everything. Number three, I want to talk about the tension of knowing your identity but failing to experience it in your day-to-day -day lives. And then I want to close with number four, how to unleash your identity into your lives. You guys ready to go? All right, so how do we get our pre-Jesus identity and how does it shape us? Well, here's what I would say. Much of our identity is formed very early in life from the messages that we hear and the experiences that we have. And so growing up, if you hear a lot of messages like, you're a nobody, or you're no good, then chances are you're going to struggle with that kind of identity. For example, you could be great at something, but because you were always told that you're no good, you might struggle to feel good at that thing. In fact, you might feel like you're no good, even though you are good. On the other hand, you might hear so many positive things about yourself from others that even if they're not true, you become someone who thinks you're good at something. 
You know what I mean? And American Idol tryouts are the perfect example of this. Right? You, you have these vocalists who have well-intended family members and friends who say, oh, you sing so good. Oh, you have such a great voice. You should go try out for American Idol. And, and you guys have seen the show, right? Yeah. These people who are not good go and try out, and, and it takes a judge like Randy to go, you know, Dude, no, no, you're not good. No golden ticket for you, right? What's the point? Well, the point is that we get much of our identity from the messages that we hear. We also get a lot of our identity from the experiences that we have. Okay, now just to be a little bit transparent with you this morning, I grew up in a very poor, dysfunctional family. And so growing up, I experienced a lot of financial hardships and a lot of family fighting. And I don't know why it is, but to this day, I still struggle with a poor, dysfunctional identity, sort of. Let me explain what I mean by that. So when I was a kid, um, I got hand-me-downs from my brother, and, and those hand-me-downs were typically worn out. Those hand-me-downs were typically from Walmart. By the way, nothing wrong with Walmart clothes. People who buy Walmart clothes are smart. They're frugal. They'll probably become rich one day. People like me who have to wear American Eagle from head to toe, I'm probably gonna be poor because of my shopping habits. But anyway, growing up, I... I I would always look at the other kids and I would see name brand clothes, Jordans, Reebok pumps, you know, and I would look at these people and I would think, I'm not like them. I'm poor, they're not. And so I would just create these, these tears, you know? And, and, and so that's, much of my identity was shaped that way. I always, I always felt poor. And even to this day, if, if, if I meet someone and, and I feel like they, they dress better than me, they have a better car than I do, they have a better house than I do, I, I put them like up here, you know? I'm like, you're up here and I'm down here. I'm poor, you're not, you know? I, I struggle with that, just being honest with you guys. And I think that's what happens is, is our experiences growing up, they really shape our identity. And so for you, maybe you grew up in an abusive home. If that's you this morning, first of all, I wanna say I'm so sorry. It's not your fault. And there's hope in Jesus' name. But, but let's just be honest. If you grew up in an abusive home, you know, a lot of times later on in life, you'll struggle to identify as a victim. Okay? E even if you're wrong in a situation, you pull out the victim card. Why? Because much of your identity has been shaped that way. If you grew up with a lot of money and possessions, a lot of times your identity gets shaped by money and possessions. So here, here's the point. Much of our identity is shaped by the messages that we hear and the experiences that we have. But here's what's so cool about this whole God thing. What's so cool about this whole God thing is that almost everything changes when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Almost everything. 
I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, when it comes to our identity in Christ. I think it probably explains it the best out of all the scriptures in the Bible. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I love that phrase, in Christ. Did you know that the phrase in Christ is used over 140 times to describe the identity of a follower of Jesus Christ? Over 140 times. And by the way, the word Christian is only used three. But in Christ is used over and over and over and over again when it talks about our identity in Christ. So what does it mean? Well, the phrase in Christ simply means that we have accepted Christ's sacrifice as payment for our sin. Okay, and so, so to be in Christ means that I, I have taken every sinful thought and every sinful attitude and every sinful behavior in my life and I have trusted in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as payment for that sin. And so when I do that, there's this beautiful exchange that happens where Jesus takes my sinful self upon himself and in exchange, I get his sinless, perfect life. What a deal, right? That's what it means to be in Christ. And the scripture here says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a new creation. Check out this quote from gotquestions.org. By the way, if you're ever wondering about God or Jesus or the Bible or just have questions, gotquestions.org is a fantastic resource to go to gotquestions.org. Listen to what they say about becoming a new creation in Christ. To understand the new creation, first we must grasp that it is, in fact, a creation, something created by God. John 1.13 tells us that this new birth was brought about by the will of God. We did not inherit the new nature, nor did we decide to recreate ourselves anew. Nor did God simply clean up our old nature. This is so good. He created something entirely fresh and unique. In Christ, he created something entirely fresh and unique. The new creation is completely new, brought about from nothing, just as the whole universe was created by God from nothing. And only a creator, excuse me, the creator, could accomplish such a feat. And so in Christ, if you're in Christ this morning, you are a new creation. The scripture goes on to say, the old has passed away. The old has passed away. Now, when I think about the old me, if you're anything like me, uh, man, I had a way of life. And I had certain thoughts and certain ideas and certain behaviors that I'm not proud of. That was the old me. And 
I can't think of a better way to describe the old me than using scripture itself. And so if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter two, verses uh, one through three. This is a great, great passage about the old me. It says this, and you, the old you, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and he is the spirit that is now in work, at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse three, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. So who is the old me, according to this verse? Well, the old me was dead, disobedient, a child of wrath, living in this flesh, focused on sensual things, and dealing with the lust of the flesh. That's the old me. And that was the old you. Someone that we probably want to forget about. Well, guess what? In Christ, you can. Because when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is passed away. He's gone. He's gone. The old is passed away. And it goes on to say this, behold. And I love that word because it literally means, look, hey, don't miss this. I think about being a dad and, 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 and raising my kids and so many times we'll just be going through life and I'll see something that's, that's really cool that they have no idea exists and I'll go, look, 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 don't miss this. You gotta see this. That's what's going on here in this passage. He's saying, look, in Christ we're a new creation. The oldest passed away. Behold, check this out. This is amazing. The new has come. Something new has come. Something incredible has happened. Something totally fresh, and you've got to see it, okay? So, so what is it, right? What does it look like? Well, let's keep reading in Ephesians 2, chapter 4 through 10, because it gives us a great picture of what it looks like. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Other translations say masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And the new is a loved fully alive, saved, masterpiece of God we're celebrating this morning. Amen? Come on, let's celebrate that. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says we're forgiven. 1 John 3, 1 says we are a child of God, no longer a child of wrath, a child of God. Galatians 5, 1 says that I am set free. Romans 8, 17 says I'm a co-heir with Christ. In 1 Peter 2, 9, I've been set 
apart. And so if you're here today and you are in Christ, you would consider yourself in Christ. Listen, my friends, you are a new creation. The old you is gone, the new you has come, and that is your identity in Christ. It's who you are. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Amen. But here's my thing today. If in Christ I'm a new creation, if in Christ the old has passed away and the new has come, then why is it that so many of us live in the tension of who God says we are and what we're actually experiencing in our day-to-day lives? Why is that? There are a lot of reasons why that could be. Today, I want to share one. The reason why I think that many of us are stuck in the tension has to do with something that I said earlier. You remember earlier when I said that in Christ, almost everything changes? And maybe that made you feel uncomfortable because you say, no, everything changes. I beg to differ. In Christ, almost everything changes. If you're taking notes, write this down. In Christ, I am new, okay? And so everything about my spiritual life changes. But guess what? The same old circumstances still exist. Why am I living in the tension? Well, I'm new, but unfortunately, a lot of the same old circumstances still exist. You see, although I am made new, the new me still has to deal with some of the same old circumstances that the old me dealt with. You follow me? Things like relationships, money, possessions, success. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. You can be a Christian and you can have relationships. You can be a Christian and you can have money, lots of money. You, you can have great success and you can have uh, awesome possessions. Nothing wrong with that. Here's the problem. My spirit is made new, but my flesh, okay, my mental, emotional, physical self wars against my spirit when it comes to my circumstances, Galatians 5.17 says it this way. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other. They, they, to keep you from doing what you want to do. And I think this right here is where things begin to break down for a lot of people who are in Christ. It's in this flesh versus spirit battle royale that happens every single day of our lives. And what I want to do is I want to take just a couple of minutes to illustrate this for you with these boxes that I have on the platform. And I want to make two points concerning this battle between the flesh and the spirit. The first point I want to make is that when the flesh wins and my identity is put into a circumstance, it leads to an identity crisis. When my flesh wins, 
this battle that's going on every day, and I put my identity into a circumstance, it leads to an identity crisis. So I have these boxes up here, okay? This box right here is gonna represent my identity, okay? Now, I'm a Christian, okay? My identity is in Christ. I'm in Christ. But you know what can happen sometimes in our circumstances? Sometimes we can neglect our identity in Christ. And we can take that identity, who we are, what we believe, our purpose, and and we can take that identity and we can begin to put it into a circumstance a little bit too deep, okay? Take relationships, for example. Nothing wrong with a relationship. Be in relationship with people. But what happens so many times is we get, we get in a little bit too deep. We get a little bit too involved. And maybe we started out good, and, and, and we were reading the word, and we were praying, and, 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 and we were focusing on our relationship with Christ. But what happens so many times is a relationship takes the place of, of this relationship. And, and we start to say things and believe things like, I don't know what I would do without her. She's my everything. He's my everything. If if I didn't have her, if I didn't have him, I would die. We get in a little bit too deep. And and what we do is we we, we kind of put put our identity in this relationship. And then what happens? Something goes wrong with the relationship, right? we've, We've invested everything we are in this relationship. We put our mind, we put our emotions, sometimes our bodies into these relationships, right? And so my, here's, this, is what, this is my identity. This is who I am. And what happens? The relationship goes wrong. And what happens? My identity goes out with it. My identity goes out with it. Right? Something happens and we go, oh, God, why did you let this happen to me? You said I was loved. You said that you would take care of me. You, you, you said that my life had purpose and now my whole life's falling apart and I just wanna die because he's gone or because she's gone, right? Now all of a sudden, you're in the tension of knowing who God says you are but not experiencing it in your relationships. And you go, why God? But here, here's what I would say. I would say that the tension exists in your life right now because you allowed a circumstance to hijack your identity. You allowed a circumstance to hijack your identity. How many of you have ever flown on an airplane? Okay, a lot of you. How many of you enjoy it? How many of you don't like to fly on an airplane? Okay, a lot of hands, all right. I don't mind flying, I'm not afraid of flying. But I will tell you this, every time I get on an airplane, I sit down in my seat, and a part of me thinks, this could be it. <laughs> you do that? And, and I don't know about you, but I, I, I sit, my wife doesn't know this, but I, I sit quietly on the airplane, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I know this could be it, but please don't let me go down like this. <laughs> you know, like, please protect this airplane. 
You know, and, and, and if someone right now is praying that you would just step in and be our co-pilot, God, they're misguided. We need you to be our captain, you know? <laughs> but I, I'm not afraid of flying. Um, in fact, I know several pilots. I know they're highly trained. And, and so when I get on an airplane, there's this sense of security that I have uh, being in that plane. But there is one thing that could take away every ounce of that security, and that's hijackers. You know what I'm saying? If, if a plane that I was on suddenly got overtaken by hijackers, every ounce of security that I had would go out the window. And you know, I think the same is true when it comes to our spiritual identity in Christ. It's, it's like, okay, we, we know that, that Jesus loves us. We, we know that we have this hope and this future. And, and like, there's this sense of security that we have in Christ. But that sense of security can go real quick when we allow our identity to get hijacked by a circumstance. And so when my flesh wins... And my identity is put into a circumstance. It leads to an identity crisis. And by the way, just so I'm crystal clear, I am not saying that you can lose your identity in Christ, okay? If we are in Christ, we are in Christ, period. The spiritual aspect of who we are in Christ cannot be taken away. In fact, Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 says that there is nothing, death, life, angels, rulers, nothing present, nothing to come. There is nothing that can take us away from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. But what I am saying is that emotionally, mentally, and sometimes physically, we can put our identity in circumstances. And when that happens, we set ourselves up to live in the tension of what God says about our identity and what we're actually experiencing circumstantially. Does that make sense? Okay, that's what happens when, when we allow our flesh to win. What happens when we allow our spirit to win, though? And this is where it gets good, okay? When my spirit wins and my identity is put in Christ, there is no crisis. When my spirit wins and my identity is put in Christ, there is no crisis, folks. Why? Because when my identity is in Christ, circumstances don't affect me the same way. All right? You can be in Christ, and you can have your identity securely in Christ. Have relationships. Have money, right? Be successful. Have things. No problem, right? And guess what? You can take away my possessions. You can, you can disrupt my success a little bit, maybe lose a job. Right? You can, you can have money problems, but guess what? It's okay. You, you, you can take any circumstance out of my life, and I'm going to be okay. You know why? Because you can't take my worth in Christ. 
You can't take who I am in him. You can't thwart the purpose that he's given me. When my ID is in Christ, there is no crisis. I mean, I think back to when my wife's identity got stolen. (laughs) Folks, all of our money was gone. We had nothing. We couldn't buy groceries. We couldn't do anything. But I'm so thankful for a wife whose identity is secure in Christ. And we could stand there that day and say, it's okay. God's going to take care of us. That's what it looks like when your spirit wins and your identity is put in Christ. There is no crisis. And so look, if you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, but maybe you're having a little bitty, a little, little, little bitty identity crisis, <laughs> here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that there's a way out of the tension and into the truth of who you are in Christ. And believe it or not, but it has to do with something I talked about earlier concerning our pre-Jesus identity. It has a lot to do with the messages that we hear and the experiences that we have. And so if you're here this morning, you wanna get out of that tension and into the truth of who Jesus says that you are, I have two things for you. Number one, you need to start today by reinforcing your identity in Christ with daily scripture reading. And this has to do with the messages that you hear, folks. Let me tell you something. There is nothing more powerful that will realign your thoughts about who God says you are than the word of God. My question for you today is, are you reading it? Are you reading it? Did you know that research shows that half of you aren't? Check this out. A recent LifeWay research study found that only 45% of those who regularly attend church read the Bible more than once a week. Over 40% of those people attending read their Bible occasionally, maybe once or twice a month. And almost one in five churchgoers say they never read the Bible. (laughs) No wonder so many Christians are going from circumstance to circumstance living defeated lives. Right? They're, they're in full-on identity crisis because they're not listening to the right messages. And trust me, we're listening to some sort of message. Much of our time is consumed uh, in front of the TV or listening to music. We, we, we hear things from other people. Maybe we have thoughts brought up from our past. But look, we're hearing some sort of message. My thing this morning is that we need to be hearing God's message about who we are. And so if you are here today and you consider yourself in Christ, but you are not in his word, I love you, but you need to repent. And you need to get your life back on track concerning the reading of God's word. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said this, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Listen, folks, we cannot survive on just materialistic things. We can't just survive on our circumstances. We are flesh and spirit. And if we want our spirit to win over the flesh, then we need to get into the word of God. Number two, if you want to get out of the tension and into the truth about who God says you are, then I want to encourage you to get involved in Christ-centered activity Get involved in Christ-centered activity. Now, I'm gonna share four words with you that you've probably heard over and over again. These four words are really 
this church's DNA. And, 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 and they're really, really, really great Christian activities that you can get into to help solidify your identity in Christ. You ready for them? Connect, serve, grow, and invite. If you want to get out of the tension and into the truth about who God says you are, then you need to start connecting, serving, growing, and inviting. All right? Connect in a life group or a Bible study. Start serving on a ministry team like children's, students, young adults, creative, hospitality. I could go on and on and on. Parking lot. There's lots of opportunities, lots of Christian, Christ-centered activity that you can begin to get involved in through serving. Start growing. Start inviting. Maybe you want to go out on Thursday nights with Jack uh, Worrell and his team as they share the gospel with people in parking lots. Or if that's too much for you, guess what? Maybe you could go to a neighbor or a coworker or a family member or a friend. My encouragement to you here is that if you want to get out of the tension and stop struggling with who am I, solidify that by getting involved in Christ-centered activity and watch God solidify that identity. Listen, if you'll do these two things, reinforce your identity with God's word and get involved in Christ-centered activity, I believe that you will find yourself out of the tension and into the truth. I really believe that. Okay, so let me summarize everything and then we're gonna be done. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, when we give our lives to Christ, we get a new identity. The problem is that the new me still deals with some of the same old stuff that the old me dealt with. And as a result, many of us are living in the tension of who God says we are and what we're actually experiencing day to day. Truth is, there's a battle between my flesh and my spirit. And when I let my flesh win and my identity gets put into a circumstance, it leads to identity crisis. But the good news is that when my spirit wins and I keep my identity in Christ, there is no crisis anymore. And so let's be proactive when it comes to our spiritual identity. Let's be proactive when it comes to the messages that we hear and the experiences that we have. And so what are we gonna do? We're gonna reinforce our identity by reading God's word daily. And then we're gonna get involved in Christ-centered activity by serving, growing, connecting, and inviting. One of the greatest gifts God can give his children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we want to help. Visit our website at calvarypsl.com. Click on I'm New Here, then Knowing Christ.